Welcome to That Anthro Podcast, the podcast dedicated to anthropology. Together, each week, we will be learning from the experts and researchers that are researching our pasts and today's problems. My name is Gabriella Campbell, and I'll be interviewing a new guest each week to bring to you the latest and greatest in anthropology. Join me for weekly episodes, whether you're an anthropology buff or looking to learn something new. Welcome to That Anthro Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to that Anthro podcast. Sorry for being quiet for so long, but a little break was needed. Um... If you are new here, my name is Gabriella Campbell. I am a graduate student in anthropology. I've been running this podcast for three years now. And this episode is really just to kind of break down my first year of graduate school, my first year of living somewhere other than California. Um, if you're sorry, if you're not aware, George Mason University is in Northern Virginia. It's about 20 minutes from Washington, D.C. So I recorded half of this episode at the beginning of June and this second half that I think I'm actually going to put first. Um, now it is June 28th. So I have been out of classes for over a month now, about a month and a half. And I think anyone who has done a year or, you know, several years of grad school can tell you that the first month of summer is quite literally just like decompressing and learning how to be a normal human again and like live and do not school. So that's what I've been up to. Um, But I do want to preface this by saying that um, I am going to do like my review of and not like review and like, um, like grading like harsh way, but just review and like, what has happened over the last year in my life? What did I learn from grad school? Um, That is going to be at the end of the um, sorry, not the end, but halfway through the episode. So the first um, 24 minutes are uh, kind of a talking about like more of the things in my life, like living in Virginia, going to the Smithsonian, babysitting, seeing wildlife, like all that kind of stuff. So if you're only interested in hearing about kind of like what I learned from graduate school, um, my tips and tricks for other graduate students, I would skip to like 26, 27 minutes. Um, and then I'll be talking all specifically about that stuff. But of course, you know, I do think that all the stuff I talk about in the beginning of the episode is interesting. It's about my life. Like if you're into like rambly personal episodes where you like get to see more of my personality and more of, um, hear more of my stories, like you'll definitely love the first part, but I did want to let people know that if like you're only interested in kind of hearing about specifically my first year of like work and school, you can skip to like 27, 26 ish minutes. So yeah, thank you so much for listening. Um, I've missed you guys. I'm sorry. I haven't been posting as much, but like I said, I'm taking a much, much needed break. Um, anyway, yeah, without further ado, let's get into the episode. So I wanted to record today to give kind of like a review, um, a catch up, 
of my first year of graduate school. But yeah, so I've been done with my first year for about three weeks now, um, which is super exciting to say. Um, I've lived in Virginia for almost a year now, which again, just just really exciting. Um, I'm really thankful for this experience living in Virginia and getting to go to George Mason and I'm really thankful that, you know, I had a TA ship my first year, which was, was really helpful with paying, paying the bills. Um, I will not have my TA ship for the second year. George Mason, um, doesn't have funding for that. So in case anyone was curious, um, but it's not like my situation's unique, like no one else in my cohort will, um, have a TA ship for the second year. So, yeah, I am going to be looking, I'm going to be going home to California for most of the summer. Um, I leave pretty soon, June 11th. I'll be there June 11th through August 1st, tentatively. We'll see August 1st, 2nd, 3rd. I don't know. Kind of depends when my new lease starts, but it'll probably start somewhere around that first week of August. Um, when I get back, I'm going to be looking for jobs. Ideally, I would love to work at a museum or, um, for example, there's like the Alexandria museums. There's Mount Vernon with that. I know several people that work at Mount Vernon, obviously, I mean, the Smithsonian would be a dream, but that's kind of a big commute. So it would have to be like a really ideal job, but, um, there are tons of museums in the area. Uh, so that, that's the goal, you know, would be a museum job, but, um, you know, again, paying bills. I'll definitely take whatever job I can get, but my goal, and I'll keep everyone updated, would be to get some experience in, in anthropology, um, specifically in, in museum studies, which is something that I'm really interested in doing. Um, it's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, I'm preparing for another move. Um, everyone, you know, a couple of my family members were like, oh no, why do you have to move again? What's wrong? And, you know, nothing's wrong. I think it's it's pretty common for college students to, to move almost every year. My roommates this year were great, but three of them are going to different states for PhD programs. And the fourth is looking for a job, which is super exciting for them. They're such sweet, amazing people, and I'm very thankful to have met them, but also, you know, our landlord isn't amazing, our house isn't perfect, so it's not like this is the most ideal living situation that I'm horribly sad to be leaving. You know, I will be sad to, I will miss my roommates, but definitely will not miss this particular house and um, our particular landlord situation. Um, so while, you know, it was good for my first year and I, I really love our neighborhood. Honestly, I will miss our neighborhood. Our neighborhood is, is amazing. I, um, it's not, it's not a big move. It'll be a local move, you know, like 10, 15 minutes away, but I will actually be closer to campus. Um, so that's all kind of getting figured out right now. Um, the other update that I had wanted to give was I wanted to mention, I kind of forgot to mention this earlier was that um, I had also this past um, semester, so starting in like January, started um, babysitting on the side to make a little extra money. And that has actually been, um, not only has it been enjoyable, I really love kids and I really love playing with kids. Like I know that sounds weird, but I get paid to like color and play games and play outside. And <laughs> it's actually very fun and rewarding. Um, but it has been really helpful, um, for helping, you know, supplement my TA stipend. So I'm really thankful that I started that. And I've met some really wonderful families who've been really, really kind to me and who 
um honestly like i really look forward to babysitting for again when i get back for the summer um excuse me that i look forward to babysitting for again when i get back from california this summer and it's been really sweet too because the kids are like sad that i'm leaving and the parents are missing me so you know it feels good to know that you've made an impact like i feel like especially if you're you know a babysitter or your coach or your teacher like you you get that you know you want it to be a good experience and you want to be not only like providing a necessary service for the parents but um I, i'm happy that the kids like me and you know they'll miss me it it's it feels good that they that they care and that i've made you know a lasting connection and um that they've enjoyed themselves as much as as i have getting to watch them so i babysit a wide range of ages and i have honestly i obviously i'm not going to talk about the details or the names or anything because that's that's private but i have had so many funny interactions with these adorable little kiddos that um it's 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 pretty fun i enjoy spending like a weekend night you know with uh with a six-year-old and they just tell you the wildest things and it's pretty it's pretty fun <laughs> so i i enjoy that let's see so before I kind of dive into like a review of my first year of grad school, I mean, I've kind of already started by giving you guys some life updates. I just want to say that if this episode seems kind of rambly, um, it's because I really struggle with solo episodes. There's a reason that this is uh, a guest-based podcast. I don't enjoy staring at a wall and talking to my computer. Um, I'll do it. You know, it's fine. I, I don't mind, but it definitely is. It's odd. Um, to say the least, to just be like talking into the void right now, but knowing that what you say is going to be heard by several hundred people. So I apologize (laughs) if this seems a little rambly. I'm going to try to edit it so that it's a little bit, you know, coherent and doesn't just sound like so many ums and likes and stops because I didn't really plan this out. I kind of just have been waiting until I felt ready to reflect on the semester and my, you know, experience as a graduate student. So here we go. Um, In case anyone doesn't know, um, I just finished my first year of my master's in anthropology, uh, specifically focused in bioarchaeology at George Mason University, which is in Fairfax, Virginia, which is about 30 minutes from DC, if that kind of gives you a sense of like where I'm at. Um, which honestly, I really love being so close to DC, but not being in DC because, um, you know, I like a more like small town feel. And while where I live is it's, I wouldn't call it necessarily a small town. It's got more of that like town feel, but then if I ever want the like city experience or I want to go to a museum or I want to go to a cool restaurant or a cool bar, like I can take the Metro or take an Uber like pretty quickly and be in DC. Um, so that's really cool because, it has both of like, I can drive to Trader Joe's and it's not like some huge like traffic mess. But also when I do want to like have that experience, like my roommates and I are going to go to DC Pride. It's not that far. It's like 25, 30 minutes to get into DC. So that's really nice to have like both the smaller experience and then also be able to like go into the city. Um, And Um, Actually, that reminds me of something that I did this semester that I feel like is fun to talk about, which is that I went to go see the cherry blossoms bloom, which honestly has been on my bucket list 
I think probably since the first time I visited DC, which is when I was a junior in high school. So I suppose what, that's like six years now. I actually, I don't think I've ever talked about the first time that I went to DC. So I can, I can like briefly talk about that, which is that I went to, um, it's called a nap. Is it called that? Yeah. It's called the national student leadership conference NSLC. Yeah. That's what it's called. So they have different programs. They have one for aspiring doctors. They have one for theater. They have one, I think, for like English literature. But I signed up to do, you have to be nominated by your school, um, by your high school. And I was nominated by my high school and I went and I did it in forensic sciences. So it was in DC. We stayed at American University. And I want to say it was something like two weeks. So that was actually my introduction. That was the first time I'd ever been to Virginia. That's a big fat lie, actually. Because um, I had been to Virginia earlier that year. Because, yeah, that was my the summer. So this was the summer after my junior year that I went to that conference. So earlier in my junior year, my mom and I, my mom is so sweet. She really, she knew I really wanted to go to college on the East Coast. So she planned a college tour trip. We started up in Dartmouth in New Hampshire and we drove all the way down to William and Mary in Southern Virginia. Actually, William and Mary is kind of like central Southern Virginia now that I live here and I actually know. Um, anyway, so actually it was not my first time in Virginia, but it was my first time in DC. So ever since I had been there, and been to the Smithsonian, um, I had always held DC and Northern Virginia, like had a really soft spot in my heart. So that was actually a big reason that I applied to George Mason University was that I had been to the area before. I really loved it. Um, for me, as someone who was like born and raised in coastal Oregon, I love all the greenery. Like it's so green, obviously not like during the peak of winter when everything's like frozen off, but you know, most most of the time you have like seasons and you have like beautiful big green trees and you know for me I feel like something California is very um it's not as like lush and yeah part of that's because we were in a drought or I think we are still in a drought I don't I don't know but I just like I love the environment here and I just feel like I'm more in nature and more surrounded by nature and lots of like rivers and just like more um more nature I've said that 10 times now, but they're just, there's more nature. And actually my brain's going all over the place. So I apologize, but I'd mentioned that I babysit. And, um, so these, these girls that I babysit for, they have, uh, like a stream, a Creek, I suppose probably is better than a stream, a Creek behind their house. And they asked me if we could go exploring. And so of course, you know, we, we got our jackets on and we got our boots on and we went exploring in the Creek and I was shocked because first of all, when they said like they had a forest behind their house, I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like there's a forest. No, no, no. They have like a proper like forest behind their house with this like beautiful Creek that goes through it. It was so fun. It brought me back to my childhood because I, you know, was always in Oregon, just like wandering in these, these areas with rivers. And, um, we, my dad and I used to go, you know, uh, in the rivers and we'd catch crawdads. And so that's definitely like brought me back to my childhood. But what was so different and what I love about this area is that there's courts like everywhere in this in the creek like big huge chunks like you can't see my hands right now but like let's say like the size of the size of um like a coaster big pieces of gorgeous just like quartz like rose quartz and 
I well actually I don't know if I saw any rose quartz. I saw some like orangish reddish quartz. I don't think it was like proper like rose quartz. And like um and I guess I should clarify if people don't know what quartz is. It's like my roommate was telling me that it's it's from limestone, like when limestone gets polished. But you can look it up. It's Q U A T I can't spell it's Q-U-A-R-T-Z. So it's it's a natural rock, but it's gorgeous. I mean, you know, you'll have things like quartz countertops, quartz accents, you know, it's it's very it's reasonably valuable. And so to just like see it in the in the creek. So I'm freaking out collecting all this quartz, and the girls are just unfazed because they have seen it all the time. They live here, they go back to their creek all the time. But I just thought that was crazy. And so I've really enjoyed like getting to experience like new geographic parts of the United States. We're such a diverse country when it comes to like geography and geology and environments and so in ecology. So it's been really cool to like be here and get experience like a whole new environment. Uh, the other thing that has been super cool and has kind of like been connected to babysitting is that um, I get to see red foxes all the freaking time. And I, I've had to kind of explain this to my roommates. So we don't like ha- we don't like see foxes in Southern California. Don't get me wrong, like I think they exist. Like I think that there are foxes because I know there's a Channel Island fox, which I did see when I was like in the seventh grade. But just like roaming in the neighborhoods, unless you live in a, like a really secluded like like ranch area or like by the mountains, like at the base of the mountains, like you don't just see foxes roaming around you see coyotes but again it's not to the degree that I see foxes here so my first experience seeing a fox was leaving um this the same family's house the one that lives by the creek and it just like ran right in front of my car and it was the coolest thing ever and so that was my first time and then I started seeing our neighborhood fox there's this fox that like clearly lives in our neighborhood I see him like I'd say probably once a week and he's so cute and I I just I don't think the novelty of seeing them will ever wear off they are so freaking adorable and don't get me wrong I know they're wild animals I would never like touch one or like try to like you know get near one but anytime I see them it's like if I'm out for a walk or if I'm driving it's never like I'm going and actively trying to find a fox but it is always the most special experience. They're so floofy and they're just precious. And then mm, I, so, you know, I've, you know, I probably started seeing them, I would say maybe like October, November. And so then, you know, didn't see them a bunch during the winter and then spring comes and I'm like, oh my God, I want to see fox babies so bad. They're called kits. I was like, I want to see them so bad. Like that was my goal for the spring and the universe delivered. <laughs> the universe delivered. So I was, uh, this is a different family. I'm babysitting. And so I like park in their driveway and the dad greets me at the driveway and I'm going, and we're going to go get the, his son from the school bus. And so we go and we're walking down the driveway and he goes, Gabby, look, there's a fox. And I get all excited. Cause you know, I love seeing foxes and I look and it's a baby fox. Oh my God. It was probably the size of like a small puppy. And oh, I froze. Honestly, 
at that moment, I was like, this, this is, this is it. This is the best day of my life. And like I said, you know, it's not like you're actively like going and being like, oh, I'm trying to find foxes. Like we're walking down the driveway and in his yard is a baby fox. It's maybe like 10 feet from me, you know? And so obviously we didn't get any closer once we saw it. We kind of didn't see it at first. And I'm just like freaking out. I'm so excited. I'm taking pictures. And then we go to like get his son from the bus stop and we walk back. And then I take his son inside. You know, the dad leaves. I'm, I'm babysitting. And I just decide to like look out the window to see if the fox is still there. Not only is the fox still there, but it has brought its four brothers or sisters with it. So I got to see five baby foxes out the window of the house I was babysitting for. I watched them for like an hour while the kids were watching a movie. I don't even have words as to how amazing of an experience that was getting to see five baby foxes playing with each other and and get ready cuddling with each other. It was like being on a nature show and it was so nice, like I said, because it was through the window of the house I was babysitting for. So I didn't have to worry about like encroaching on their space and I just got to like enjoy watching them. And so that was super exciting. And then maybe like a couple weeks later when I was leaving um, one of the houses that I babysit for, a mama and baby fox ran in front of my car and it was so exciting. And anyone who's like worried about me hitting a fox, don't worry. I'm super cautious. And once they, they're not like deer where they get like scared by your car. Like I, I'm not saying deer are dumb, but I feel like the foxes are pretty smart and that they like understand like the car situation. So they'll like stop at the side of the road. And like, once they see your lights, like, and normally when I see them, it's on like residential streets. So I'm going 25. So it's really easy just to stop quickly. Um, but yeah, mama and baby ran out in front of me. So I've gotten to see six babies this spring and hand on my heart. Truly one of the coolest experiences of my life, getting to see the baby foxes. So yeah, that's, you know, those are some of the things I really loved about Virginia. And, um, I've really been enjoying checking all the Smithsonian's off of my list. Um, I've so far, I've been to the natural history museum, the American history museum, the Asian art museum, which is my second favorite, the African American history and culture museum, which is my favorite, the museum of the, oh God, wait, what was it called? The museum of the American Indian, which I'd probably say is my third favorite. And I've been to one more. What was it? And then the air and space museum. So, so far I've been to six. I think the ones that I still have to go to are like the portrait gallery and then the like freer art gallery. Those might be the same thing, but there's like two kind of more traditional like with paintings that I, that I haven't been to yet, but I definitely want to go to. So it's been really fun to like check those off my list. The African American history and culture museum was, I mean, impeccable. Just, it's, it's very new. I want to say it opened in 2018 and just the detail and the way the space is curated is it's incredible. I, I honestly don't even want to say too much about it because I went in not knowing a lot about the the way the space of the museum was curated. And I felt like that really contributed to my experience. And I cannot wait to go back to that museum because my mom and I spent four and a half hours there and we need more we needed more time. We spent as long as we could there. You know, we did like, we got lunch there. The food was really good. 
but we also had to like get back to my dog and we took the metro there which takes time so anyway it was an incredible experience but also if you are planning to go to that museum it's like the natural history museum in that you can dedicate a whole day to just that museum whereas like the uh, museum of the american indian and the asian art museum i feel like you could do two those two in one day um some of them museums are just bigger than others and it's been really cool to be able to go through and i think my favorite thing is is that they're all free they're all 100% free, which makes it a lot less stressful because I'm like, oh, if we want to go grab lunch and then come back, we can do that. Or even if it's just like, okay, like with the um, African American Museum, okay, we got through half of it, mom. At least we didn't like waste our money and we can come back like tomorrow and go through the rest, you know? She was only here for a few days, so we didn't do that. But it is just nice in the way of you don't feel like you're wasting your time or your money because they're free. It's so flexible. I will say though, with the um, African American Museum and the Air and Space Museum, you do have to get time reserved passes, but they're, again, they're completely free. You just have to reserve like the time that you're going to go. So keep that in mind if you are planning to go to either of those. I'm not, I, the Natural History Museum definitely isn't like that. And none of the other ones I've been to are like that. So I think it's just those two that do that. And I think that's because those are two of the most popular and two of the bigger museums. Um, honestly, I'm kind of surprised a natural history museum doesn't do that given like how big it is, but whatever. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like a rundown on all of the like DC, Virginia things that have been going on. Um, and now I'll jump more into a review of my first year of grad school and, um, you know, provide some advice and some reflections on things that I learned and, um, you know, maybe that I learned the hard way or I learned, early on, um, just to kind of give you guys, like I said, a reflection on my first year of grad school. So as I mentioned at the top of the episode, I recorded the first half of the pot of this podcast episode, the beginning of June. Um, and now it is the end of June. It's a couple days before July. And I feel like I've had a little bit more time to reflect on my first year of graduate school, which was what I really had wanted to do I kind of didn't want to rush into it because after you know coming out out after finals it's like my whole brain is like I just am tired and exhausted and kind of just like over the whole experience so I really wanted to wait till I had time to fully reflect and overall you know my first year was it went really well like classes and grade wise and you know um, i'm so thankful to have had amazing professors um some amazing mentoring opportunities i had you know i was a ta i think i kind of mentioned that in the first half of the podcast so i teed for two different classes i taught two classes while teeing so a lot of really like core experiences but i also don't want to sugarcoat it and say that it was an easy year. Like it was most definitely the most challenging year of school I've, I've ever had. And I made it through, you know, I did it. Um, I did it well, but it was definitely the most challenging, um, experience of my life. But I think part of what's really special about graduate school is that it does teach you the limits that you can push yourself to, you know, like if you would have told me the workload and the amount I'd be writing, the amount I'd be reading, even the first like week of grad school, I would have told you you're crazy. Like I can't do that. 
but I did it, you know, my whole, and I shouldn't just say I did it, you know, my whole cohort, all my classmates, like super proud of them. This wasn't something I did like by myself. A lot of mutual support, a lot of help, like we were all there for each other, but it definitely was challenging. I pushed myself to limits that I didn't think I could be pushed to. Um, but in that struggle, in that, you know, learning curve, there were quite a few things that I did want to like share that were really important for me and my professional development and how I work as a student and how I support my mental health while being so busy. Cause you know, again, not only was I doing school, but I was working, I was taking care of a dog. I was a TA, like I was running the podcast, you know? So there was always a lot going on. And one of the things that I found to be the most transformative for me as a graduate student that I don't think I necessarily like consciously thought about um, as an undergrad, probably just because I didn't have to because I had enough time. It wasn't like I was kind of always pressed for time where I feel like in grad school, you're, you know, you're really managing every day, every hour, like as much as you can was um, finding like the time of day that you work best. And that may just kind of sound simple, you know, some of you may have figured that out in high school, you know, all the all the credit to you if you did. But I never had to consciously think about what time of the day I work best. I've never been an evening person. I've never been like, I never stayed up late. I've never done like homework in the evenings. Like that's just really not me. Like after dinner time, unless I'm really behind on something or I don't have a choice, I don't like to do work. And so even though I knew that going into grad school, I hadn't kind of thought about, okay, well, if you're not going to work in the evenings, when are you going to get your work done? And I learned that really the best time for me to start brainstorming, start reading, start writing an essay is like 30 minutes after I wake up, after I've taken the dog out, after I've eaten breakfast and maybe had a cup of coffee is when I start my work. So lots of times that'll be between like 9 and 10 a.m. And I like to get my work done in the mornings and the early afternoons. And then I like to take a break between two and three and then from three to like six work again. So again, this is may sound silly to some people that have always had their work schedule figured out. But I kind of got in the beginning of grad school into this negative cycle of, oh, um, Sam, I don't think you're going to be listening to this. But if you do, I'm just going to use you as an example. Sam is working um, from 8 to 12 p.m. every night. Why am I not working from 8 to 12 p.m. every night? Does that mean that something's wrong with me if I'm not doing that? And that's what Sam's doing or if that's what Kaylee's doing? And I had to kind of come to the to terms with no. That's the time that works best for them. They're most creative. Um, they have time or they are most productive at from 8 to 12, right? Versus me, I'm most productive from 9.30 a.m. to 12 p.m. Um, that's the time that I get the most quality work done. And if I'm trying to write an essay at 8 o'clock at night, like, it, it, I can do it, but it's not going to be my best product. And so I think really moving beyond this idea of comparing yourself to other people's work schedules, for example, if it's like, oh, you know, Kaylee's working X amount of hours per day. Why am I not working X amount of hours per day? 
well, your X amount of hours per day that you need for an essay is different than someone else in your cohort or a friend or someone else in a different program. And so it did take me like a while to kind of move past that and then really focus on myself and what worked best for me. For example, finding a study space that works best for you was really hard for me. Um, I need complete silence, like complete silence. So places like a coffee shop don't really work for me because it's very loud. I also invested in some noise canceling headphones for my birthday. I asked for those and that was super, super important. Um, because I could, then I could go work in say like the library or the lab and then have a bit more quiet because I had my noise canceling headphones because I have roommates and my roommates aren't expected to be silent from 9.30 a.m. to 12 p.m. Like that's when they're getting up and waking up and doing their thing. So getting noise canceling headphones kind of allowed me to be my most productive self at the times of day that worked best for me. Um, I found like a little local library that I loved going to that was um, really good study space because I lived 30 minutes from school and it didn't make sense for me to put to waste an hour of my time driving to school to go sit at the library. So those were kind of things that I learned pretty early on that I feel like have really helped me and I'll be going into next semester like knowing these things and really working on them. And then I think to kind of complement that is taking breaks. So like something that I would do is I would set a timer. For example, I wanted to work for 40 minutes. So I would set a 40 minute timer and then I would give myself X amount of minutes break. It kind of would vary about on like how much I got done. So maybe it would be a five minute TikTok break or maybe it would be um, after I worked for 40 minutes, I'm going to go take the dog for a walk or um, I'm going to make give myself a snack, you know, and then I would set another timer for my next block of work. That really worked well for me and was something that kind of in my like last finals grind was really helpful. But also, so like on the note of breaks and um, mental health would be finding an activity, finding something outside of school that is going to um, re-energize you, that's going to help you wind down, that's going to bring you joy. Now, this doesn't have to be something huge like going on vacation. This can be something very small that you do every day or a couple times a week that helps you have something else in your life that is not school. So for me, that was reading books. I love reading books and it's super interesting because I've heard a lot of friends say like while they're in college it's really hard for them to read books because they're having to read so much for class but for some reason reading like specifically like fiction romance books is that's how like I unwind that's how I let my mind wander that's how I let my mind not think about school. So I probably read maybe like 15 books <laughs> this this school year and it was really like so amazing and I would honestly I would get to a point where I would be reading a book for four hours unable to put it down and my roommate would walk in Cody would walk in and be like have you moved in four hours and I'd be like no this book is so good oh my god I can't put it down so for me that was like a really great way to unwind you know I know for some people it's maybe like skateboarding or going for a walk going to work out um you know anything under the sun but for me, finding that like really joyful thing that I could totally not think about school and do, which was, you know, reading my books was was really great. Um, but also, you know, something else that I found that was super important for my mental health. And, um, you know, I will start this off by saying, you know, you have to have the resources and the money to be able to do this. But 
um, I, you know, I feel lucky that I did was taking a mini vacation. So um, I didn't end up coming home for spring break. I stayed in Virginia because the flight tickets were just god awful. So I, um, my mom was super sweet and she said, you know, since you're not coming home for spring break, I'd love to book you a hotel room somewhere for a night and you can go on a mini vacation. So I was only gone for like 24 hours and I went to Williamsburg, Virginia and I stayed in this hotel and I unwound. I went to a winery and I walked around, I met people and I sight, sight saw, I went sightseeing. How does one say that (laughs) properly? Don't judge me. I, um, can't speak. Anyway, it was so great, but it was such a short little vacation, you know, but it really like re-energized me. It gave me a day off. I was out of, you know, Nova, which is Northern Virginia. I went on a road trip somewhere. And like I said, I was only there for one night, you know, but it was really, really great. So a mini vacation doesn't have to be, you know, it was an hour and a half drive away. You could even stay in your own city, but just like get a hotel room and unwind and like get yourself away from the essays, from walking in your room and being like, oh my God, my room's a mess. Or if you have roommates that maybe aren't your favorite. I had amazing roommates, so this is not like shade at them at all, but I've had experiences in the past where it's like, oh, you want to get away with your partner for a weekend or something like that, you know? You could get a hotel room in in your city and just disconnect from everything that's bothering you go swim in the pool maybe they have a hot tub you know something like that with grad school it's all about those little mini breaks it doesn't have to be oh i'm gonna go to hawaii for a week like yeah if you can afford to go to hawaii for a week amazing for you that's gonna help your mental health but if you're like me and it's like okay i can afford like something small just doing that, like I came back so energized and so happy and so relaxed. So I really recommend many vacations to people. Like it can be a teeny tiny little, just like day trip. You don't have to get a hotel room. You could drive back and forth from somewhere in a day and just disconnect and not be in your normal space, your normal physical space. You just really go to a new space and, and relax. So I feel like that was super helpful for me. And then the other thing that was super big in grad school for me, especially because like, I will just put this right here. Um, I eat on a very specific schedule. Um, and that's just something about my personality. I've been like that since I was a little kid, you know, it hits a certain time of the day and I'm like, it's time for lunch. It's time for dinner. It's time for a snack. And there's kind of no wiggle room for me because my mind, I'm just very like focused on my food schedule was meal prepping. Meal prepping helped me so much in that, okay, say I didn't have, I didn't have class Monday, right? I would spend Monday cooking meals for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I would bring um, a very nice, very healthy dinner with me to my seminar classes that were from 4 to 7 p.m. because not eating during that time is just really not an option for me. Um, And I know, again, people may roll their eyes, but, you know, we all have our schedules. We all have our non-negotiables, and my eating schedule happens to be a non-negotiable for me. So, I would bring, and it was super funny because sometimes, you know, in one of my seminar classes, I'd be sitting next to Dr. Klaus and I'd whip out my like, and also I should preface this by saying I was totally allowed to eat in these classes. Like it was not something I was doing um, that I wasn't supposed to be doing. So I'd like whip out my my Mediterranean bowl, which is like couscous, garbanzo beans, um, or chickpeas, whatever you call them, uh, feta cheese, cucumber, tomato, and then I put like a little dressing on it. 
And Klaus, like a little puppy dog, would just lean over and sniff at it and be like, oh, that looks so good. So um, that worked really well for me. You know, if I had not eaten dinner during those seminar classes, I would have been grouchy. I would have been hangry. I would have been not able to participate. So, you know, I would meal prep a couple days before so that I would have stuff to bring to the seminar classes with me. And I feel like that that was super important and helpful because it kind of always set me up for success. Now, something else that sets you up for success is Zotero. Z-O-T-E-R-O. It is, um, how does one describe Zotero? It is an application that you download on your computer and it is a citation manager. So when I first heard that it was a citation manager, I did not use it for my entire first semester because I thought, oh, I already have a citation manager, which is Mendeley. And Mendeley Library is very helpful because you can put all of your PDFs, like for example, let's say I'm doing a research paper on Neanderthals. You're gonna have like 20 PDFs, right? Rather than having like a folder on your computer, you can put them on an application and then you can have different folders within the application of like, oh, this is my Neanderthal paper, this is my theory paper, this is my paleopathology paper, something like that. And you can highlight and then everything is like in one application and it's just all in one spot. And so when I first heard about Zotero, I thought, okay, so it's just a different version of Mendeley. I don't need to use that. Zotero is so much better than Mendeley because you can do what I just said, where you can have like tabs where it's like your paleopathology paper, your Neanderthal paper, your theory paper, and they're all separate. And then you click on the tab and then all of the files are there. You can then annotate the files in there. You can write notes to yourself, whatever. It's amazing. But Zotero takes it to a new level where when it's time to do your work cited, your bibliography, your whatever, you um, control click the like, I can't, Guys, I'm bad at describing things, okay? Just freaking download Zotero. So you click on the article and it generates in whatever style you want your work side or your bibliography. Like it does all of it. It formats it. It does it in whatever style you want. It's amazing. And it saves you so much time because don't get me wrong, in like high school and undergrad, I think it's super important to make kids practice writing it out by hand, you know, doing your citations. But when you're a graduate student and you have three papers due within a week and they all have 20 plus citations, Zotero is how you save your self-stress. It's organized, it's delightful download Zotero if you are a grad student, even if you're an undergrad, like save yourself the time. Love, 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 love Zotero. Cannot believe I did not use it at all first semester. Like I probably would have saved hours, hours, plural, if I used Zotero my first semester. So anyway, Zotero is like my number one thing I learned from grad school that I'm taking with me. The other thing that I found was that sometimes during finals, you really got to set some phone limits, you know, set a TikTok limit, set an Instagram limit, set a Twitter limit, you know, whatever your thing is, set a limit and kind of really try to stick to that so that you don't um, waste a ton of time on TikTok because I would just like get bored and then waste like two hours on TikTok and I'm not proud of it. 
So I would have to like delete the app or set like a phone limit because you can do that, like a time limit per app. So again, that's a kind of stupid little thing that some of you may roll your eyes and go, oh, whatever. Um, but it was super important and helpful for me. And I would say really those are like my big takeaways, really the big things that I wanted to share with everybody. Um, this next semester is going to be very different. Um, I think I've kind of touched on this, but I, I'm happy to, you know, kind of reiterate. So first semester I took three classes and then was a TA. Second semester I took a different three classes and was a TA. Now for this next year, I'm only taking two classes this semester and then I'm signed up to work on my thesis. And then the semester after that, so we're talking January 2024 to May 2024, it'll just be thesis. So I've really completed more than two thirds of my core classes of my requirements. <clears throat> So this next year is going to look pretty different. Um, and I was totally going somewhere with that. I don't know where. It's okay. <laughs> so yeah, that was really just what I wanted to share. Um, oh, I guess I should share what classes I'm taking next semester. I'm taking medical anthropology and bioarchaeological theory, which is a requirement. Um, and pretty soon, you know, I'll be at the point where I'm ready to share what I'm doing my thesis on. And I look forward to that. I'm definitely not at the phase where I want to share just yet, but exciting things are happening. Um, it's been really nice to be back in California. I've been back for about three weeks now, two and a half, three weeks. And it's been really lovely. I've seen friends. I've uh, relaxed. I've hung with my family. I've My grandma treated me to getting my nails done. So it's been really, really nice to be home. I also went to Oregon for my dad's retirement party. He was a teacher for 30 years, and we threw him this really fun retirement party. A lot of his former students came. And yeah, it was a really great, really great time. I always love being in Oregon. So yeah, that is all I have to share with you guys today. Um, keep your eyes open for episodes in the summer. I haven't really made any decisions yet about if I'll be posting this summer, if I am posting, what will I be posting? Um, so just just keep keep your eyes on the Instagram, see, see what pops up, you know, turn your notifications on for when a new episode is posted because it might be a surprise. But yeah, in two weeks here, we will have the three-year anniversary of the podcast, which is super exciting, and I would like to do something special for that, so probably will. Keep your eyes peeled, and as always, thank you for supporting That Anthro Podcast. Make sure you check out um, Redbubble for uh, redbubble.com for podcast stickers if you're interested. Uh, we have both the original pink logo and the pride logo. Anyway, yeah, check out Redbubble to buy stickers and follow the Instagram at that anthro podcast. I haven't been very active on Twitter recently. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for your support as always. Thank you for listening. And that was a recap on my first year of grad school and living in Virginia. Peace out.